then we'd love to have you in the deal. How much are you looking to fill right now? 30% of a million four would be about $420,000. Four twenty. I like that number as well. Okay. <laughs> Today we're going to take you through an investor pitch for a syndication deal. And I'm actually going to walk you through the very one that I used. I'm going to give you way too much information as we take you behind the curtain. Timmy's going to role play and I'm actually going to pitch the deal to Timmy. I'm a rich guy now. This is commercially speaking. Yeah, it is. For the first time ever, we're doing this in person. Mm -hmm. We're in the SBN Chicago office. I, I mean, look at that view. It's nice. Thank you to the, the SVN Chicago guys, Michael Thanissaurus, Al Steppen, Scott Mazel. We really appreciate it. I'm super excited about today for one for one very big reason. I get to play the role of, of an investor. I didn't pitch anybody with a Def Leppard t-shirt on. Yeah. But I do like Def Leppard. But I could just throw a jacket on and you know, hit you with a few curveballs. All right, let's do it. Before we jump into this, give me a few character details. You're a local attorney, okay? So you got a thriving business. You're a high net worth individual. You love the idea of putting your money to work. You're an attorney, so you think you're very smart. You mm -hmm. are. But we may be going into an area where you have a little bit of gap in your knowledge base. Yeah. Do I have net worth of a million? Yeah, you do. I do, okay. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Anytime you invest or buy a piece of real estate, you want to be real comfortable with the market and the property itself. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the market, then we'll get into the property. What's specific to this type of deal is you also have to be comfortable with me. If you check all those boxes, you like the market, you like the deal itself, you're comfortable with me running the deal, then this might be something that's a good fit for you. Okay. Sounds good, Bo. So the deal we're talking about here is Paradise Plaza. It's a Walmart Shadow Anchorage Strip Center, which just means, and you can see from this image right here, mm -hmm. so Walmart casts a shadow on this center. Retailers like that. And we want to buy something, especially in retail, where there's going to be demand for the space. So here we have people, we have people with money, and we have a lot of traffic. And we have large magnet retailers like Walmart that are like attracting people to the area. Sure. Have you ever heard the term leakage as it relates to commercial real estate? Mm -mm. Where do Owensboro folks go to go back to school shopping? Wal where Walmart? No, no, no. Where do they go? What city do they go? Oh, Evansville. They go to Evansville, Indiana. Why? Because the shopping there is better. The mall is much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's leakage. Mm. Dollars are leaving Owensboro and they're going to Evansville to be spent over there. The flip side of that for Evansville is they're getting displaced sales. But because they've got a better retail area, we from Owensboro, we drive over there and we spend our dollars over there. So we have all these retailers out in the area. Mm -hmm. And see all those lines going to the right? Yeah. That's all the dollars that are leaving this area because we don't have the retailers to keep those dollars here. Right. Now, if you're a retailer in home furnishing and you see all those dollars that are leaving the market would would you think about putting a home furnishing store there and trying to capture the dollars that are already there yeah yeah so you know what we've got here is a developing area with a lot of people a lot of traffic a lot of dollars and there's still a lot of leakage so i expect it to continue to develop yeah okay which means there will continue to be demand 
And if we buy this strip center, we should continue to have demand for that space. And that's what we want to see. Sure. I mean, there's a market and someone's getting that money and it's the Hoosiers. And I don't like that, Bill. And those Hoosiers, they're like sandwiched, you know, in between you and me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all right. Whatever. This is another thing we want to look at is if we buy this center, what are the rents that we can expect? Here's some leases that are out there. Okay. Limestone Bank just leased some space in a brand new building and they're paying $29.50 a square foot. That's a lot higher than we're going to be able to get. They're a bank. They're a new bank. They just lease space in a brand new building, and that's kind of setting the market. That's that's pretty hot. Chicken salad chick went in a strip center, you know, less than a quarter of a mile from this limestone bank. They're paying $25 a foot. McAllister's out there, $25 a foot. Then on the other side of 54, as you continue east, you've got Trennels and M&M Jewelers. They're paying $18 a square foot. Now, the strip center we're looking at, right, we should expect to get regional retailers. National retailers would want a little bit more visibility than we have. We're just off the street. We're not on 54. We're not going to get $25 a foot for this space. I think we should be getting $17 to $20 a square foot okay. in this space. And we'll talk about the tenants that are in there here in just a second. But this just gives you a feel for what rents are being paid right now in this area. All right, now let's talk about the property itself. That's a picture of it right there. It's about 20,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. It's built in 2008 by Hayden Construction. There's eight tenants in there, and there's two vacancies. Okay. All right. Do you remember what the market rents were? What like year? The previous slide. Like we were talking. Oh, yeah. Tenants. We're talking like 20, 25. Like 18 to 25 right. dollars per square foot. This center's average is $12.19. Oh, wow. If we can buy this center, retenant it over the next three to five years, and if we can get that $12.19 per square feet up to about $17.50 mm -hmm. per square feet, which still is a little bit less than market rent, mm -hmm. we might be able to sell that thing for $5 million. And that's the goal. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Would it not be easier to just raise the rent of the tenant that's already there? I can't do it. There's a lease in place. When a property sells, the leases stay in place. Okay. It's a legally binding contract, and I can't do anything. That's what thing. information do you have on those leases? Are we going to go through that? or? Yeah, okay. we are at a high level. So Baskin and Robbins, they have 2,050 square feet. They're the end cap space on the Walmart side. So when you go into Walmart, you come out, you can see this space, and there's signage on the side. They pay $11.12 per square feet. They could pay more. They're not doing well. And so they're trying to sell the business to a new operator. And if that's the case, I'm going to release the current owner from the current lease and do a new lease with whoever he sells the business to. Gotcha, right? gotcha. Now, fast forward, what actually happened with this? Right. He shut down and we leased it to Peach Cobbler Factory, which will open in a couple weeks. And have you ever been to a Peach Cobbler Factory? No, it sounds delicious. It is a retailer in the same type of space. And they serve like 12 different types of cobbler they have banana pudding, which is off the charts good. Is this a national brand? So I'm dealing with a local doctor who owns the franchise rights, and we went from $11 a square foot to over $20 Ooh. a square foot. Yeah. Right off the bat, we took our lowest rent and turned it into our highest rent. The peach cobbler going in there, it's going to drive traffic, which will help all the other tenants in the center. Yeah. They're paying you know, market rents on an end cap, a Walmart shadow anchor center. Like We got them to where we needed to be. It was a really good, yeah. really good deal. Fun fact about Baskin Robbins real quick before we move on. The logo, you see that there, the BR? Yeah. Do you see the pink in the middle? Yeah, the 31. 31, you knew that? Well, Yeah. no, I'd never noticed it before, but 
Yeah. As soon as you started talking about it, the 31 just jumped out. At me. Yeah. I've it, never seen it before. There it is, 31. Huh. My ADHD was like, you got to say it, you got to say it. <laughs> so the next tenant there is GameStop. Oh. They're a national retailer, mm-hmm. and they're one of these meme stocks. Have you been following that at all? I have, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. And so they pay $16 a foot. That ought to be about $19 a foot. In fact, we are negotiating their renewal. Wow. And like they're trying to stay at $16 a foot. There's no way. I'm going to hold to that. I'm not going to negotiate. If that doesn't make sense for them, that's fine. Then they need to be somewhere else where they yeah. can afford to be there. So that's actually what's happening right now. Beauty yeah. Plus, this is a stabilizing tenant here. Even though they're paying below market rents, they have two spots instead of one, essentially. Mm-hmm. So even if we're having some turnovers on these other spaces, I do expect their rent in particular to be a stabilizing force for the center. My wife my wife likes to go there a lot. Now, fast forward, these folks are, have actually asked us to replace them. They have essentially said, we'd like to move, and we're going to continue to pay until you replace us. They've got a tremendous amount of integrity. It would be really easy for them to just skip town and... I don't even know where they go. Right, right. Uh, but when we did the deal, I thought that they were going to be a stabilizing force. Can you explain to me what stabilizing force means exactly? We we were going to have some vacancies in other places. I was not expecting vacancy here. Right. And it turns out we can still count on it, but now I get to replace them early. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody moving out of an apartment. You take one day to clean it, and then somebody else moves in the next day. Yeah. That's a great... Right. It's a great situation. That should be what we have here. You know, no vacancy. Right. New tenant paying more. So that's uh, That's rare and that's a good thing. Boutique 54, this is a women's clothing store. Very mom and Mm popish. But the owner here was a regional manager for McDonald's for over 15 years. And her and her daughter were sick of doing the McDonald's thing, the Mm -hmm. corporate thing. And they're like, and we want to open up a shop. They've been there, you know, for a couple years. They've been in business longer than that. They always pay on time. She's kind of the eyes and ears of the center. If something weird's going on over there, she's the one that'll give us a <laughs> the nosy, The nosy neighbor. So, yeah, yeah. it's not the nosy na- neighbor that you wish sure. to leave you alone kind of thing. Right. It's not that at all. Yeah, yeah. So she's there. She's paying fourteen fifty a foot. It's a little bit low. She renewed. That was a good thing. We can count on her, and, and she's a great tenant. This is, uh, it was vacant when we bought it, but we put in Mr. Bubble Tea. So it's a bubble tea concept so it's a restaurant and they serve that i don't even really understand bubble tea uh, yeah i've had bubble tea people love bubble tea yeah i've, I've yet to try it yeah it just bubble tea i'm such a coffee fan it's like it, it i think the stereotype is your karen's oh really karen's like bubble tea i think karen's like bubble tea but not right. you know not to again a lot of people love bubble tea and to, to my understanding yeah the stereotype is a Gotcha. So the next tenant here is LabCorp. LabCorp is a huge corporation. This is where you go get your blood work done. And they've been there since 2019. They are a national tenant and they pay pretty good rent, 1711. Since we bought the center, they did renew and they asked for some stuff and we were able to bump their rent up significantly. Because of what they were asking for? Mm-hmm. Their rent now is pulling everybody else's up. Nice. Them and Peach Cobbler Factory. That was good. We expected them to renew, and they renewed. Okay. Luxury nails. Any kind of Walmart shadow-anchored strip center has to have the obligatory Asian nail salon. Yeah. And we've got one here. They actually use the front space sometimes of the tenant next door. 
Oh, not an overflow over there. So it's nice. The tenants are playing nice. It's like when I see my kids getting along. You know, yeah. it's like, and that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Look at Ben and Maddie. Get yeah. along. I'd imagine that's rare, too, at this age. Would it be? Are we talking about tenants or my kids? No, I'm talking about your kids. <laughs> they generally are not very lovey-dovey with yeah. each other. Something I've noticed is you got luxury nails and spa, the boutique, and then the beauty. The beauty plus. Mm-hmm. Beauty Plus, that's a particular market. Then you got the bubble tea place coming out. Mm-hmm. Do businesses typically, when they go into a strip center, look at that? Like, oh, there's already a beauty place here. Our market already shops here. Should we put a spot? Yeah, so what you're referring to is tenant mix. Okay. Yeah, they absolutely look at that. Yeah. And so some people, like a nail salon, might think, look, if it's a strip center by a Walmart, I want to be in there. I don't really care who else is in there. That mm-hmm. might be the case. However, if they can go into a center where, you know, you can get your nails done, grab some bubble tea, go buy you a blouse, and then go to the Beauty Plus store, you can get it all. Mm-hmm. That's why they call it a convenience strip center. I also have two medical tenants. So I have LabCorp, and then we have this next, the next tenant here in the center, Gateway Primary Care, and then on the other end cap is Gateway Urgent Care. So the same folks own both of these. They're technically separate businesses but they're connected spaces. But a lot of the equipment, and when I say equipment, I mean like the x-ray machine and the like big stuff you don't move. Yeah. For the urgent care is on the primary care side. Okay. So they still essentially use both spaces, but the primary care isn't in operation and they use it all for the urgent care. I gotcha. Except for the front, which they allow the nail salon. Oh. And so it's a pretty good tenant mix. In fact, since... Beauty Plus has asked us to re-tenant them. We've had a lot of e-cig places want to go in there. Oh, yeah. And I haven't done that deal yet. Yeah. Because it's a bad tenant mix. You, just, you would you would do an e-cig place if it was the right mix. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. good to know. All right. Now, here... This is what we call an APOD. This is the annual property operating data. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this, instead of watching it on YouTube, you might want to jump over to YouTube just so you can see some of these numbers here. But this is my initial analysis of the property. And you'll see on the right, I'm going to buy it for $3.5 million. The initial investment, the dollars that we're going to put in, down payment and such, $1,230,000. we are actually going to raise more than that so that we have a reserve fund so we can handle the curveballs. Uh, okay. That's the deal. And you can see the gross income produced by each one of these tenants. Mm-hmm. And I put Baskin and Robbins in at 1950 a square foot because I think that's going to resolve itself quickly, either with a new owner or a new tenant. Okay. In fact, that is what happened, and we got rent higher than that. But when you go down all the rents from the tenants, you get down to the total gross income of $350,000 and some change. Take out the operating expenses you get the net operating income, the NOI. You'll hear that term a lot in commercial real estate on investment properties. The NOI here is $266,297. And you divide that by the price of $3.5 million. Okay. And that gives you your cap rate. And okay. kind of go back a couple episodes, we talked about the cap rate and what it is. Yeah, if you want to, if you're on YouTube right now, you can watch it right here. You can click on that. Oh, nice. I see what you did there. You see what I did? Nice. Very nice. Yeah. What we've done so far is I've tried to give you a feel for the market and why I like it. And I've tried to give you a feel for the property itself and why I like it, what I think we can do with it. None of that matters if I can't actually pull this off. 
And so I know, you know, in your role as an attorney here, mm-hmm. we've known each other for a while, mm-hmm. but let me try to establish my bona fides, so to speak, and just take you through. And, and I'll do this quickly because we have known each other. We have done, done some business together, but if you have any questions about my background at all, you can stop me. So I'm the CEO and owner of Baron Commercial Group, the Gunston CRE portfolio, Owensboro self bailment which are self-storage facilities, and some other group investments like this one that we've done before. So Kidron, Fast Pitch, BGI, Touchdown, those are some other syndication type deals. So here's just some of the other properties that we own and we operate. Okay. So here's the Wasabi 54. This is actually on the other side of the parking lot of the property that we're talking about now. We have Tower Place, which is where Great Harvest is, right across the Frederick Street from KWC. Love Great Harvest. Yeah. Here's a little office building on Harvard Drive and another one right across the street. We're buying a bank branch next week, and we're going to renovate it and put our office in there. Got an enterprise. This used to be a foamy brush car wash, which our dad developed back when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think one of my first jobs was cleaning out the pits in this car wash, but it's an enterprise now. Uh, We've got uh, this warehouse right here, Green River Distillery. To bourbon distillery no oh, yeah. actually leases this from me now which is nice that's yep. very cool no no bourbon in there it's like all their materials yeah okay so it's not as cool as it sounds but it's still pretty cool that a bourbon distillery is is a tenant of mine right right cool. that is cool then we have our self-storage facilities and uh and this is my crew all right so family man i got three kids been yeah. married to my wife for 22 years you know my oldest son's at uk uh, I was a sophomore there. My middle son's a sophomore at Davis County High School, and my daughter's an eighth grader. I was in the Marine Corps. That was actually me on the right, yeah. and I was young and thin. Yeah. All right. I was a linguist there. I'm also a, a CCIM instructor, and I get to do some speaking at conferences from time to time. So that just gives you a feel for, you know, my bona fides. This yeah. is why I think I can do what we're trying to do here. Now, here's the strategy. This is the whale have you ever heard of whale? You got the whales that are the ones that own the most amount of stock in particular. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I'm not even sure, but in this case, it stands for weighted average lease expiration. Okay. So you take all the leases in place, you average them together. Two and a half years on average is how long we have each tenant. When we start getting to two and a half years or less, you can expect a lot of turnover. That means vacancy. That right. means a lot of work. However, because the average in-place rent is $12.19. This is a good thing. I need that turnover yeah. to get the rents up. So in this case, with what we're trying to do, the opportunity of this center in the first place is the fact that that weighted average lease expiration is so low and the rents are so low. So we will have some turnover. I can get aggressive with renewing tenants right. and try to get them to market rent. Now we talked about Baskin Robbins a couple times. That's either going to have a new owner or we're going to get a new tenant in the space. Okay. And if we can get that average rent to seventeen fifty, and if we can sell at a six and a half cap rate, this is a five million dollar property. Gotcha. So it's my job to get it there in the next five years. Okay. Let's just go to the present now. Okay. Okay. We bought this center in June of twenty twenty two. Do you know what's happened since June of twenty two? Well, yeah. Nine rate hikes. Nine. Most people didn't see that coming. When interest rates are raised. Cap rates normally raise along with them. Right. And values decline. Anybody who invests in this deal has to be comfortable that we can't predict what the market's going to look like. Right. So if we can get this center where it needs to be in three years and the market looks good, we're going to sell then. If the market doesn't look good, we're going to wait until there's good market conditions where everybody can get a real nice return on their investment. 
my job is to get that average rent to about 17 and a half. And frankly, we're way further along than I thought we'd be at this point. I'm happy about that. But this is the strategy. This is what we're trying to do. This slide right here, if you look at the top right. So that's that's the that's the return that we can expect that year? Nope. 7.8%? Nope. That's the cap rate. All right. The cap rate is not the return. Oh, okay. I'm glad you explained that to me. So I was thinking 7.8%. Return is not, I wouldn't be in on that deal. Nope. So we'll, we'll set in point six. I'm going to break down the structure okay. of the group investment here in just a minute. Okay. But let's talk about the source of funds really quick. In this deal in particular, I'm going to raise $1.425 million from investors. I'm going to invest my money alongside of yours. So okay. you're going to have cash in the deal. It'll be right next to the cash I have in the deal. You're not taking on any debt to do this deal. I like that. All right. It's all on me. Real quick. Check it out. You see the Willis Tower now that the fog is cleared? And there it is. Right there. Very nice. Or the Sears. The Sears Tower. Anyway. So this is the source of funds. We're going to borrow 65%. We're going to raise 35% equity. And we're going to do the deal. Cool. Now, here's the deal structure itself. BGI2 LLC is the name of the LLC that we've created to buy this property. I'm going to sell 1,425 units for 1,000 each. Okay. Minimum investments, $50,000 on this deal. You're going to buy units in the company. The company will buy the property. You don't own a share of the building. It's a little bit of a distinction, which means I'm selling a security instead of a fractional ownership in a piece of property. Okay. Which means we're regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission. This is how you have to do it. Yep. Okay. Now, Touchdown Properties is a separate LLC that I've put together, and it is going to be the managing member of BGI2. Okay. Right? And Touchdown Properties is me and Todd Humphreys, my top producer. I mentioned him before. He managed this property. Previously, he's put every tenant in the building. Okay. And another buddy of mine named Adam Grogan. And we will manage the deal. Okay. This will pay out distribution checks from the profits of the operations on a quarterly basis depending on when we buy the property or close on the deal. We think that'll start around June 2022. That's when you would start to get checks on a quarterly basis. Yeah, okay. The quarterly profits will be split. 60% goes to the investor group. Okay. 40% goes to the management company, Touchdown. Okay. Which is me and Todd and Adam. Right. Okay. When we sell the property, we pay off the fees and the mortgage. Then all the investors get their money back. And then whatever's left is split 60% to the investors. 40% to touchdown. Okay. Based on our projections over the next five years, we expect you to make a 16.2% internal rate of return on your investment. Okay. Now, here's what that means. You're not going to get 16% cash on cash return yeah. every year, right? You're going to get less of a cash on cash return. And then once we factor in the sale at the end, that's when you average it out over five years. It's going to be an annual average of 16.2%. What if you decide not to sell? We have two exit options, and I'll get to that here in just a minute. Okay. Yep. It's a good question. All right. Here's the breakdown of how we're going to use the $1.4 million and change that we're going to raise. Our down payment on the deal is $1.225. So most of it's going to go to the down payment. Okay. We have attorney fees of about $15,000. Who are you going with for that? I'll show you here in just a second. There's an acquisition fee that the deal will pay to touchdown management of $50,000 for making this whole thing exist. Okay. All right. So there's a fee up front and then we'll fully fund a reserve fund of $100,000 when we buy the property. Okay. All right. That'll handle any curveballs come up. 
Uh, we've got some money there, and I don't have to come back to you and say, look, we need some more money. I got you. Yeah, and that's going to be enough. 100000 I think, will be enough, but one fifty would have been better. You would have been able to sleep better at night? Yep. 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 And then closing costs, due diligence, you know, everything from appraisal fees to bank fees to closing costs, all that stuff. We're funding on the front end, and we'll be repaid for that. We estimate that that'll be about $25,000. So that's how we're going to use the money that we're raising. Okay. Now, this is really what you were talking about. This is taking one unit of $1,000 and running it through the entire deal. So if you look at that first column of distributed cash, yep. so $1,000 for one unit, that money leaves your body and goes into the deal. Mm-hmm. So it's negative to you. 2022 is a half year. $24 is what we project you'll get back on that. 2023, $63. 2024, 65, 67. 61 we're projecting a little bit of vacancy because we've got some lease turnover there so it's a little bit less so if you put money in this deal you're going to expect to get between six and seven percent cash on cash back every year okay that 2027 is a partial year because we projected out five years and then when you sell that 1000 we're projecting will return to you 1660 dollars a thousand of it is what you put in 660 is a return on your investment. That thousand dollars is the return of your investment. And so you can see down there, your member's rate of return before tax is 16.3%. Any questions about that? Yeah, so 16.3%, and that's before taxes. That is before taxes. So what I'm actually gonna be looking at is in my pocket, 12.3% per year. We generally don't talk about after-tax returns because every person has a different situation. I'd have to ask you some pretty specific information that you might not want to share with me to give you an accurate look at what your after-tax dollars are. Gotcha. So the fact that I'd be buying into an LLC. There there are some tax benefits to doing a deal like this. Yeah. But an LLC, the dollars flow straight through to the owners. Okay. So flows right through to your personal tax return. Oh, okay. So when we talk about depreciation and some other things, you get that here. So in this sense, we bought the center. We did a cost segregation study. Then we bonus depreciated it. The folks in the investment group get their share of that bonus depreciation. Okay. Which is more than they actually got paid right. by the deal. There's a lot of sheltering of income going on here, but it's really hard to do that in a pro forma because you haven't done the cost segregation study. You don't know how much you're going to get to pull forward. Right. So, okay. All right. Okay. We talked about what you get out of this deal, but I want you to never be surprised by what I get out of the deal. Okay. I get that acquisition fee. When we close, $50,000 paid to me and my two buddies we talked about that are Mm -hmm. part of this touchdown management. We get those quarterly distributions of 40%. The investment group gets 60%. We get 40%. Okay. Sales proceeds, all the investors get their money back. And then whatever's left, we get 40. The investment group gets 60. Okay. Right. And then there is a success fee at the end of $100,000 that we'll make when we have successfully pulled this deal off. So that's what I get out of the deal. Baron Commercial Group will also be managing the property and will be paid a fee of 5% of effective gross income. Okay. All right. Industry standards, probably 6%. And we're just going to charge five. Okay. Here's my leasing and management team. We've got Todd there. We've talked about him a number of times. He will lease the space up. This is his bread and butter. He's really good at it. There's Penny Matthews. She's our property manager. In fact, she's the best I've ever seen at collecting rent. I can see that. I mean, literally, she walks in with a big smile on her face, and she'll just say, show me the money. 
and they smile back at her and write her a check. All right, let's talk a little bit about annual projections. Partial year 2023 net operating income is 165. 2023, the first full year, 309, 316, 316, 309. That's the level we need to be at so that we can sell and make this thing worth $5 million. And then at the end, we exit the property. So there's one of two options here. Either we sell, you get your initial investment back, mm-hmm. plus whatever the sales proceeds are at that time, mm-hmm. or your split of it, mm-hmm. where I refinance, the splits change. If I were to do that, it's because I want to keep it yeah. long term. Okay. And it just continues to pay you okay. quarter after quarter for as long as we own. And it's my call at the time that makes you nervous, then this might not be a great fit. Yeah. Now, here are the third-party professionals that we use. Sean Land is my local attorney on real estate closings. Jonathan Nee works for Trowbridge Law Group. He's the attorney that we pay in California. Kevin Bassett is our CPA in North Carolina. He's got an incredible firm. They do a great job. And then Penny, of course, we've talked about her. She manages the deal. Okay. Now, last thing, and this is really important. If you're still interested at this point, Mm -hmm. then we need to talk about what a qualified investor is and whether you're one or not. Yeah. Okay. So a qualified investor has to have a certain amount of knowledge. Now, as an attorney, it's really easy to make the case that you're far and away plenty sophisticated enough to understand the risks of this deal. You also have to have income of at least 200000 for the last two years and an expectation that that will continue. Or you can be worth a million dollars outside of your house. But if you check those boxes, then you're a qualified investor and I can take you into this deal. Okay. Right. I can also take a limited amount of sophisticated investors. These, we like to call them uh, smart but not so rich, right? You don't qualify under the income or the net worth, but it's easy to, to substantiate that you're smart enough to understand the risks of this deal. Sure. If you have a certain amount of sophistication, that's why we call them a sophisticated investor. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're a sophisticated investor or a qualified investor, I can take you into this deal. Would you qualify as a qualified investor? I would, yes. Okay. Yeah. Easy enough. Yeah. All right. Now, here's the last thing. Though I like the sound of uh, being a sophisticate on the syndicate. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. Now, here's the last thing, and this is key. Our group investors, they have no responsibilities whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They also really have no authority. Now, if I'm doing a terrible job, you can get together with the group and you guys can replace me and have somebody else manage the property, like run the deal. Yeah. Outside of that, you don't get to make any decisions. You don't have any control and you don't have any responsibility. Some people struggle with that. They want the control. They want to have a say in what we do. And that's not this deal. Okay. And that's it. So after hearing all that question is, is this something that you think you'd be interested in doing? Yeah, well, I got a question. Sure. I don't remember talking about the risk of losing money. Can you walk me through what the worst case scenario would be? Well, the worst case scenario would be all our tenants leave and we've got an empty building. Nobody could have predicted a pandemic a handful of years ago. And so we have kind of a black swan event like that. Things could go really bad. I don't see any of that on the horizon. I don't expect that to happen. If I did, I wouldn't want to do any deals. So it is possible that this goes bad and we lose our money. And if that's the case, I don't want anybody in the group to be ruined financially sure. because of that. And it's hard to get your money out of this deal. It's not a liquid investment. You can't get your money out early. Yeah. It's going to be when I decide. But if you're going to need that money in the next five, seven years, that's those aren't the dollars you want to put in a deal like this. Sure. Well, just to be frank with you, I've got some money sitting around that I'm looking to invest. Haven't really thought about commercial real estate. 
you know, but you know, we were we were talking at at church a couple weeks ago and sparked my interest. So yeah, let me talk to the wife, and my team, and when do you need an answer? Yeah, we've we've got a couple weeks. Okay. So as long as we don't sell out and you have interest, then we'd love to have you in the deal. How much are you looking to fill right now? Thirty percent of a million four would be about four hundred twenty thousand dollars. Four hundred twenty. Yeah, four. Four twenty. I like that number as well. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll be in touch. I'll let you know. I'll let you know by next week. That whole pitch is here's the information about the market and right. why we like it. Here's the information about the property, why we like it. Mm-hmm. Here's why you can trust me, and here's how you can self-select yourself out of the deal. Right. Right. When I'm trying to tell somebody, look, no authority, no responsibility, you could lose the money. Like, I'm not sugarcoating that stuff. And I'm looking for facial tics because I don't want somebody who's going to tell me, yeah, I want to be in the deal. Yeah, I can handle no authority, no responsibility. And then calls me on a weekly basis, say, hey, what's happening with this tenant? And how are the expenses looking this month? And which right. they could do, but if they did it on a regular basis, you know. Hey, yeah. just, all right, pop quiz. Question number one. Those of you watching, feel free to use the comment section. We'll see if you can do better than Timmy. Yes. On this. You won't. I'm just saying you won't, but see. All right. In this particular deal, right, we're buying a piece of property. We're trying to accomplish some things. What's the main metric that we're trying to affect while we own this property? What's the one main thing we're trying to do with this particular property? Internal rate of return? No. Okay. That asked me the question again. All right. What is the main metric that we're trying to affect? while we own this property, All right? We're gonna buy it, we're gonna, we're gonna manage it differently than the folks before us. We're, just, we're gonna try to oh, change something. Rent. With, okay, we'll be more specific. Okay, rent per square foot. All right, so we're trying to raise our rent per square foot while we manage it well, mm-hmm. minimizing expenses so that we can raise the net operating income. So I would have, I would have taken two correct answers here. Okay. One is the rents raise the rents to a certain price per square foot. In doing so, if we manage the expenses well, we'll be able to raise the net operating income. Okay. The NOI, that's really the metric that drives value more than anything else when you own a piece of property because you apply the cap rate to the NOI to get the value. Yeah. Right. Okay. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. Yeah. You take the NOI, you divide it by the cap rate, and it gives you the value. Yeah. Right. And a way to raise the net operating income is to raise the revenue of the center by raising the rents. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Question number one, your first answer was completely incorrect. It was yep. not internal rate of return, but we understand in this case, we were trying to raise the price per square foot or essentially the net operating income. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. We'll say that's that's zero for one. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. You can come back on this. One. Yeah, right. let's come back. Explain up. to me. Question number two. Sure. Explain to me what is a qualified investor. Qualified investor is somebody who's got a net worth of a million dollars minus their home, outside of their home, okay. or may has made 200 a year for the past, two, at least 200K a year for the past two years, or 300,000 with a joint income with their partner. Yep. And they, they have, they are sophisticated. Like they know that they're smart enough to be able to understand the risk. Yeah. You can look at their business history and they're an attorney or they've been a business owner or they have some kind of state license where they had to pass a test, like a real estate license, kind of an automatic 
you know, you're at least sophisticated enough to understand the risks of the deal. Right. So that's exactly right. Million dollars outside of the home, make two hundred thousand dollars a year for the last two years, and a reasonable expectation that that will continue, or mm -hmm. three hundred if you're joint, uh, joint. And then you have to be able to substantiate that you have the sense, the knowledge, the experience to understand the risks of a deal like this. Yes. Right. Yeah, I know that one very well because I already edited this video that talked about all the different uh, all the different FCRE deals or where you can get your money for your yep. first deal, particularly in that. But great. Yeah. Now, follow-up question to that sure. is, what about a sophisticated investor? Like, what's different about a qualified and a sophisticated investor? They're smart, but not as rich. Smart, but right. not so rich. So they need a good knowledge of, of uh, deals, somewhat of a history of investing, but they might not meet that, that requirement of their yeah. income or assets. So they've managed a team within a business, or they've uh, been a certain successful salesperson, or they've owned a business, or they have some type of like... They qualify. You can substantiate, hey, this person's smart enough to understand the deal. Right. All right. Right. All right. Great. All right. Nice job. Next question. All right. What was the outline of the pitch in general? Talk okay. about it two different times uh, during the presentation, but what's the outline? Like, what did I take you through in the pitch? Oh, good question. Okay. Let's, okay. Good question. We started with the property, right? You you showed me the, I mean, the first thing was the, the property. Well, we saw the leakage, mm -hmm. right? Which was describing not the property, but the... The, the money that was leaving. And it, 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 it showed the potential or the the forecast. The, the, it showed the market, the demand. The market. The, That's yeah. what we looked at first. Yeah. Hey, here's the market. Here's the context of where this property lives. Right. We have to be comfortable with the market. Then we take a look at the property itself. Right, right. So I was thinking else. of the first slide it said had the property, right? Here's where we're looking at. But then we went to, right? That was like the very first thing. Like the title slide, yeah. Yeah, the title slide. And then we went to the market, right? Demand, there's the leakage. Then we went into what is a, the property itself. So there's a Walmart. Here are the tenants that are in it. And with that, the information of how much they're paying per square foot. That's what was next, right? Yeah, so we yeah. we dug into the property itself. Yeah. All right, what was after that? So after the property itself, uh, then we saw the pie chart of how much you are trying to make. I'm trying to remember, because we saw each of the tenants, which is the property itself. And then you showed how much you were raising. Well, you skipped a section. And that's the Is it about you section? Yeah, the section that you're more of an expert on than anything else. And that's yeah. knowing me. Right. So there's kind of the... I wasn't sure if that was... Okay, yeah, that was yeah. the next part. Yeah, so you showed yourself and your team, essentially. That was right before, like, here's the LLC mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was the market, mm -hmm. the property, the sponsor of the deal. Yeah. All right, which is me and, and my team. Here's my credibility. And then we took a look at the deal structure yeah this is how a deal like this works here's yeah the splits here's how we're going to raise the money and here's where this money's going to here's the projections and what we think we can do and the deal structure itself okay all right yeah and then the last section was strategy well the strategy was all part so of part of that yeah, yeah yeah the last section was are you qualified do you tick these boxes can you be or can you be in on this thing? Yeah, I'm really trying to provide enough information so people understand the risks and can self-select themselves out of the yeah. deal. Okay. So if they're if they want more control than they're going to have, if 
the risks here make them nervous, then I want them not to do the deal. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking for the right people and uh, the profile doesn't fit everybody. And that's okay. Sure. So, yeah. So the market, the property, the sponsor, the deal structure, and then finally, are you a are you fit for this deal? Gotcha. Yep. yep. And that's the model. That's the outline of a pitch like this. Yeah. At least the one I use. Okay. What is cash on cash return? Cash on cash return is I put money in. So so it's the amount of money I'm making on that cash each quarter or each year, right? It's, it's what I'm getting in before the big sell. Yep. So we went through uh, that one slide where it, we took one unit of $1,000 and ran it through the deal. Yeah. And we could see that in a certain year, there was $65 of return right. on that $1,000 that you have in. So the way you figure cash on cash return is you look at a year, almost always a year. You could figure it out in different periods of time, but it's almost always referenced as an annual number. And you just take the money you, you received mm. and divide it by the amount of money you have in the deal. So if it's $65 you received and you had $1,000 in the deal, it's 65 divided by 1,000 gives you 6.5%. Right. And that's what cash on cash return is. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, last question. Well done, by yeah. the way. Last question is what then is internal rate of return? Internal rate of return would be the, the amount of return I would get overall, right? Which... Typically, you would do you would do that in annually when everything is said and done. This is how much you will make on your money annually, which here is like sixteen point two percent or something. Right. So let me rephrase that. But you're exactly right. Okay. Okay. You take your starting point. You put money into the deal. You've got all your annual returns, mm -hmm. all the cash on cash returns. Sure. That you get, and then you have your proceeds from the sale at the end of the deal. You slam all of those together and figure out your return, and then divide it by the amount of years so it's an annual number. Yeah. Right? Okay. So in most commercial real estate deals, when you have the sale at the end, that's the big amount. Mm -hmm. And then you have these distributions uh, throughout the years. And so what it, an internal rate of return, as you explained correctly, mm -hmm. is it's the average annual return that your money will make you while it's in the deal. The beautiful thing about internal rate of return and why I think it's the most sophisticated and uh, it's my favorite metric to look at over a deal is it accounts for the, the life cycle of the deal. Mm -hmm. It tells you the whole thing. So you can compare a, a strip center deal like this one where we plan on owning it for five years. And you can compare that with an apartment deal that you plan on owning for eight years. And you can figure out the internal rate of return of each one and compare them well. Uh-huh. And so it's a little more sophisticated. It takes in the entire deal. And it's just, I think, the best way to analyze a deal. Yeah. A lot of people favor cash on cash return. It's easy to figure out. Mm -hmm. And it tells you what my cash flow is going to be from a year to year. But it doesn't tell you what your actual return on the deal. Right. It just says, if I do this deal, my cash flow for that particular year will be this. Right. Which is an important piece. Right. Uh, but it's doesn't. certainly not cap rate. Right, right. Which isn't a return. It just shows you the relationship between the net operating income and the value of the property. Right. We talk all about cap rates right here. That is right. So, ding, ding, ding. Great job. That ding, is ding. the final question. Sweet. Nicely done. Yeah. What are we talking about next? I have no idea. Okay, great. Great. We'll, we'll let you all know when we figure it out. <laughs>